Every now and then, um, a dramatic television series gets our attention in our house, and we tend to watch it and record it. I wonder if you've seen the drama entitled, This Is Us. It is just into its second season now, and it comes on Tuesday nights on NBC. This Is Us is, um, gets our focused attention because... All the characters are complex, kind of like our lives. And all the storylines are never straightforward, kind of like our stories. And this drama seems so willing to delve into the colorful dysfunction that appears in many of our own lives. The series follows three siblings, Kate and Kevin and Randall. Two of them are twins, Kate and Kevin. But on the day of their birth, the third sibling in the womb with them was stillborn. So as it turned out, their grieving parents, on the day of their birth, Jack and Rebecca, decided to adopt an African-American boy who was also born on that same day and dropped off at a fire station in town and delivered to the nursery in the hospital. So while one of the babies did not survive birth, Jack and Rebecca still went home with three babies because Randall was their third and adopted child. So what makes this drama so interesting and complicated is the way the the story gets told. We meet these triplets, these three people, as 30-something adults making their way in life, sometimes with successes, oftentimes with failures, with their particular gifts and talents, and with their absolute struggles. And then the story goes back to when they were much younger and then goes forward to the present and then it goes back to their adolescence and their parents struggling to raise them and then to the present. Randall, the African-American, is a successful partner in a consulting firm, but he has a passion to find his real father, his real birth father, William. And he wants to understand why he was given up for adoption and how that is supposed to play out in his adult life. Kate is a very large woman who always has struggled with her weight, which means she struggles with her identity, which means she struggles with her relationships. But in her mid-twenties, she's engaged and actually she's pregnant. And Kevin is super handsome, a starring actor, But he also has relationship challenges and growing addiction issues. And then we meet Randall's real birth father, William, who had a life of poverty and a life of addiction on his own. And then we keep learning various pieces of the puzzle that keep the story complicated and interesting. And the drama, this show, seems to take on so many of the issues of our lives that we pretty much want to avoid talking about for sure. This drama is messy and it's full of joy and it's full of hardship and setback and complexity and challenge and change, kind of like life. 
Here's the question from this series that relates so much to our lives and to our biblical texts for today. What do you do with what comes your way? Or, maybe more directly, what do you do with what you've been given? As This Is Us shows us so well, life is almost never lived in a straight line with everything falling into place. In fact, in this week's episode, we learned that William, who gave his son up for adoption the day he was born, actually got out of prison and experienced tremendous grace and compassion for a particular judge in the court system who challenged him to make something different for his life. What do we do with what comes our way? What do we do with what we have been given? So many variables contribute to our lives. There are blessings and then there are challenges. There are strong character traits and then sometimes addiction or other challenges. There are major successes and then often major missteps along the way. There are the best intentions and then it is what it is the circumstances, and more. Now, we turn a bit of our attention and we listen to the Scriptures. And I'm reading today from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at the 14th verse. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here... You have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and scatter where I did not scatter, gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For, all, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, 
throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. This parable of Jesus is not about money. This parable of Jesus is about what we do with what comes to us. This parable of Jesus is about what we do with what's been given to us. Here's a reminder. A parable is a teaching that always includes something expected and something unexpected. The parable has the master going on a trip. And it says he summoned his servants and entrusted them with his property. The master didn't just leave on his trip. He gave to his servants responsibility. To one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, and to another he gave one. As in life, not everyone is treated equally. But we are called all to be responsible with what comes our way. And a talent here is not just what skills each person might have. A talent here in this culture was the greatest unit of accounting in Greek money. About 10,000 denarii. That's a talent. 10,000 denarii. We learn in another parable that a denarii is about a day's wage. So the gift, one talent, to the last one, 10,000 denarii, is a whole lot of money. Maybe a lifetime of of wages, actually. The The expected piece in this story is the powerful reminder that we, as servants, are showered with grace. Grace that comes in many different forms. We are given immense gifts from God, talents, and we are free in how we use it. There's no compulsion from God. We are free to spend our resources. We are free to respond with what has been given to us. We can invest or we can bury it. We can run and risk or not. We can share or not share. We're given so much and there's no compulsion from the master in this story, from God. It's up to us to choose what we do with what's been given. That's the expected part. The parable speaks first about the servant who received five talents. It says immediately, immediately shows some urgency shows some focus on his commitment. Immediately, he moved out and went to work and won five more. And then it says the same of the second servant. He won two more. So the way the story unfolds is actually so interesting. There's an eagerness in the faith of the first two. Do we have an eagerness in our faith? Do we have a kind of impulsive, passionate desire to serve. They were entrusted with these gifts from God. It made them motivated to serve God. Is that how we feel? It should be. It should be. 
they both throw themselves into working and doing for the master. It says they moved out, they went to work, and they won. All these are eager and aggressive verbs. They are active, not passive. They received what was given, and they got going in loving service. That's the message. And then there's the servant with the one talent. He didn't move out. He, he went away. It's a recessive verb. His digging a hole offers such a contrast to the eager going to work of the other two. And his hiding the talent is the opposite of winning more talents. Jesus never wants us to kind of slink away, go away in isolation and, and dig. And Jesus never wants us to hide the gifts that we've been given in other places. Jesus says over and over, let your light shine, be salt, love expansively, give generously, serve God. This is Jesus' message over and over. And then in the parable it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants returns and settles accounts with them. He returns to settle accounts. This is when we get to the unexpected part. This is not just a parable about three servants over there that belong to a certain master. This is a parable about us and about our loves, and about our devotion, and about our commitments, and about our talents, and about our money, and about our accountability to God. This is us. This is us. What do we do with what's come into our life? What do we do with what's been given to us? We're in this story. We're in this story. Which servant are we? God covers us with grace and goodness. It's abundant. There's no compulsion to giving. It's all grace. It's all goodness. But we're called and we're expected to be responsible. We're called and we're expected to be faithful and eager and intentional in our living and our giving God has sincere expectations for all of our lives. That's over and over, all through Scripture. Tuesdays with Maury is a book, a little book, that was published 20 years ago. The author is named Mitch Album. Mitch Album started his career as a sports writer in Detroit but he has become an internationally acclaimed author and even a filmmaker because of the success of this little book, Tuesdays with Mari. Tuesdays with Mari emerged because every week, Mitch Album would go to see his friend, Mari Schwartz, who was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. Tuesdays with Mari has a subtitle, An Old Man, A Young Man, and Life's Greatest Lesson. Here's one notable conversation from this little book. Mari, the older man, says to Mitch, We've got a form of brainwashing going on in our country. Do you know how they brainwash people, Mari asks? They repeat something over and over and over, and that's what we do in this country. Owning things is good. 
More money is good. More property is good. More commercialism is good. More is good. More is good. We repeat it, says Mari, over and over until nobody bothers to think otherwise. The average person is so fogged up by all of this, he has no perspective on what is really important anymore. And Mori continues, money is not a substitute for tenderness. Power is not a substitute for tenderness. I can tell you, as I'm sitting here, and he's dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, when you need it most, neither money nor power will give you the feeling you're looking for, no matter how much of them you might have. You know what really gives you the satisfaction, Maury asks? Offering others what you have to give. Devote yourself to loving others. Devote yourself to your community around you. Only an open heart will allow you to float, Maury says. And then Maury asks Mitch, the author, I'm dying, right? And Mitch says, yeah. Giving to other people is what makes me feel alive. Not my car, not my house, not what I look like in the mirror. When I give and love, it's as close to healthy as I ever feel. What do we do with what comes our way? What do we do with what we've been given? Is it an eagerness and compassion and care and tenderness and generosity and dedication? That's how we find life. Today is Dedication Sunday. We have our pledge cards that have been sent to the whole community. We have them in the back and around the church. And these pledge cards we invite you today to bring forward and place in the baskets that will be on the communion table. We are embodying what we hope is something of our core values. Our dedication to living and loving and serving and giving. Giving to God and dedication In a few moments, we're all going to come forward as an expression of our dedication. We come and place our gifts, our morning offering, our pledge cards, our our lives. We place them before God on this communion table with eagerness and with intentionality and with uh, devotion. This is an act of dedication, but our lives are about serving God. This is an act of dedication. The end result is not walking forward and placing them on the table. The end result is us leaving this place recommitted, dedicated to sharing God's love, tenderness, peace, and hope in the world. This is what God asks and expects of all of us. The end result of our commitments is dedicated to loving God in service from this place as a church, as individuals in the world. It matters how we live. It matters what we do with what's been given to us. For the last nine years, I've been a pastor with you and among you, and that's been a joy and a privilege. One of the favorite things about our worship week in and week out in this place is really becoming part of me. It happens in this sanctuary. We come in here every Sunday and we sing and we pray and we confess and we listen to Scripture and we reaffirm our faith and we give our gifts and and then we sing the final hymn and the benediction is pronounced and the choir sings the sung Amen. 
And then we have that moment of silence. And in that moment of silence, the ushers open the doors to the streets. And in that moment of silence, the sounds of the city start coming in here. And it's the buses, and it's the traffic, and it's the noise, and it's the reminder that we serve God from this place. And it's a powerful reminder about our lives. We have been showered with grace. We're called to live graciously from this place, all of us, every day. We've been blessed so richly. We're called to be a blessing with how we live our lives. We've been covered with love. We're called to share God's love on the streets, in the city, as God's people, all of us, all our days. It matters what we do with what we've been given. May God so bless us to live faithfully, generously, wonderfully from this day forward and forever. The people say, Amen. Let us pray. We give thee, O God, thine own, whatever our gifts may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Amen.